Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you're listening to a new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we are reviewing Malignant, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. We do, Tim. And in this episode, we're talking Malignant, which is an independent-style horror that follows Madison, who, after a traumatic home invasion, is paralysed by shocking visions of grisly murders. But her torment only worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are, in fact, terrifying realities. Malignant is directed by Australia's James Wan, who is known for the Conjuring Universe films, among many others, with a screenplay by Akella Cooper from a story developed by Wan, Cooper and Ingrid Bisu. The movie stars Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hassan, George Young and Australia's own Jacqueline McKenzie, with Ingrid Bisu also featuring. Now, Lee, it really is Halloween season at the movies right now. It really is. This is not the movie you think it's going to be, is it? No, not at all. Goodness me, what a statement. (laughs) I know. I'd guessed the twist halfway through because I'm like that, but I was only partly right, which goes Mm. to show even if you think you know what's about to happen, you probably don't. And this is no surprise to you listening at home. Certainly no surprise to Lee. I never pick a twist or know what's going on. (laughs) I really envy that about you. But do you think that was a disservice for you in this film, kind of getting half of it right? Or did it leave a bit of a surprise nonetheless for you? No, because it still surprised me. I thought, what the heck is going on here in a good way? I would say, what the fuck is going on here? (laughs) I just kind of put a little spin on that. But what is uh, interesting, you mentioned in the opening that this is an independent style horror, right? Mm. So Juan has said that this film took him back to his roots of his more grittier indie horror days a la the Saw films and Death Sentence. And he also described 
Malignant as a bit of a palate cleanser for him mm. from working, you know, on the Conjuring universe most recently and the big budget superhero flick Aquaman. Would you call Malignant a, a palate cleanser? I don't know in terms of like all the other films we've been seeing at the moment. I don't think it cleansed my palate. It blows your palate right out of your mouth. Yeah, that's right. James Wan has said that it's a loving throwback to the horror of the 80s and 90s as well. Mm. You know, where's Craven's Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street and Brian De Palma's a blowout. And I can definitely see that, especially in the way the soundtrack oh, yeah. is used to heavily punctuate moments and the camera like zooming in on a scream. It might come across as cheesy to some people, but it's a real horror trope that horror fans get a kick out of. Yeah, definitely. What did you say punctures in? What a great description. Mm. It definitely harkens back to more like B-grade type films. And mm. Juan has said that he was inspired by the Jallo style, which is like detective crime, murder mystery type style sort of film, mm. which you get flavours of throughout Malignant, don't you? Yeah, this is his take on seeing through the eyes of the killer, that subgenre. And it's important to note that this isn't entirely James Wan's baby. You know, Ingrid Bisu came to him with this concept and she's an actress who has starred in The Nun and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So she's worked with James before and in this film she pops up as the love-struck uh, forensics person. Yeah, did you like her character? It was a bit funny, you know, a bit of comedy in the film. Yeah, yeah, there certainly was. Uh, maybe sometimes unintentional, but we'll we'll get to that in a moment. But can I just talk about the plot just in general? Mm-hmm. I, I found it quite uneven. And mm. at almost two hours, I felt like it really did drag on for too long, leaving you begging for it to start to make sense because it struggled to get there for me in my experience. And I don't know about you, but I was really intrigued by the opening of the film and the general premise. Yes, 100%. Yeah, and Mm. looking back at it now, having seen the film, it's quite compelling. Mm. But for me, only on paper, because I don't think it really succeeded in presenting much of a coherent or original idea well enough. You don't think it was an original idea or you don't think it presented it well enough? I think it was an original idea, just not done well. I'll agree with you about the opening. It jumps straight into the action and it hooks you in, leaving you wanting to know more about this film. And you think that it didn't deliver that fast enough. No, because it kind of opened up in a really intriguing, mysterious way. And it took far too long Mm. for that introduction to the film to be brought back into the narrative and things to start make sense. And I think that just Mm. has to do with the length of the movie. It just took too long to say and Mm. do much. (laughs) A little bugbear of mine was the supporting characters being underwritten. Mm. You know, it's going for deeper themes in the story of motherhood, loss, sisterly bonds, but I don't think it was particularly effective in that respect. Yeah, talking about themes and things that it explores, like very early on domestic violence plays Mm. a very key plot point in the film, and I was expecting it to explore that more, yet it moved on very quickly from that. And from there, the character of Madison you know, her sanity was being questioned not only by herself but also those around her. So it went Mm. in a very different direction and I thought it was going to focus on domestic violence a little bit more Mm. than it did. Well, we mentioned the screenplay is by Akella Cooper who has written mostly for TV previously. You know, she writes superhero and supernatural shows like Luke Cage and Grimm. I did start to roll my eyes at the dialogue, especially in the third Mm. act. It was very heavy-handed, very ham-fisted. Yeah, I completely agree. The dialogue wasn't great. But it's hard to know whether that was an intentional style choice to fit in with that B-grade horror. 
Yeah, when you say that, it, it probably was written on purpose that way. Like it's a joke that we're not in on, maybe? Yeah, but is that insulting your audience if you're like intentionally not letting them in on the joke? Yeah, <laughs> maybe that wasn't effective. Yeah. One thing that will probably bug people, but it's a very big trope of horror, is, you know, the typical thriller thing when people go off half-cocked on their own. There's a lot of that happening in this film and I keep thinking, where is the rest of the police force? Yeah. <laughs> Did you think that? It happens so often. It's like, yeah, they're their own lone ranger and they get themselves into all this hot water. But if only they communicated and had the support, you know, back up their yeah. cops, you know, then it would all work out much, much smoother than it does in films like this. <laughs> There's a definite mix of genres in this film. You know, there's horror, there's a touch of sci-fi and a crime thriller. It's mm. it's something different to the supernatural or superhero films we've seen recently and I quite enjoyed the originality of it. You could absolutely tell that one had a lot of fun leading into those new territories as a filmmaker, couldn't you? Yeah, new or maybe going back to his roots, I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just to build on one of the things that you mentioned uh, around the horror genre was – Body horror was a massive mm. character in this film, wasn't it? Mm. But for me, maybe to its own detriment because the movie gets so grotesque and so violent beyond my expectations. I found that it got quite silly and far-fetched and, mm. and comical. Did you have those feelings? But again, was it intentional? Well, see, now that you've brought up that point, it's kind of making me think about this movie in a whole different way that I yeah. hadn't come in to talk about. So. Yeah. I think you're right, Lee. I think it was intentional, but it just didn't resonate with me. Well, James Wan was obviously having a lot of fun with the in-camera effects when you talk oh, yeah. about body horror. You know, he's having a lot of fun with the makeup department and having a good time. You can tell that that comes across in the film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A bit of a passion project, I would say. We keep bringing yeah. up the fact that he's harking back to his earlier films and you could tell that he's learned a lot about you know, uh, himself as a filmmaker and he's really, mm. really pushing the boundaries here in this space. If I could just jump to the cinematography and production design for a second. There are really well-designed set pieces in here from the creepy old house that Madison lives in, which was purpose-built on a soundstage. Beautiful. To the abandoned old Seattle underground, which was mm. also recreated. But that's a real thing. You know, so creepy and so fitting and it just looked beautiful on the screen. I found the whole premise about the underground Seattle world and excuse my French, but a bit of a cock tease because I found that so interesting mm. visually and I thought it was going to play a key point in the story and it went nowhere and I was a little bit disappointed by that. <laughs> I wanted to explore more of the underground world of Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, you get this really beautiful stuff on screen and you go, oh, wow, that looks amazing. Give me yeah. more of it. and doesn't really happen, does it? The cinematography is by Michael Burgess who did The Devil Made Me Do It with James Wan, and it's shot in a way that really maximises the practical and special effects, I thought. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think the opening shot of the film, of the research centre mm. uh, above the cliffs, was so atmospheric. Yep, yep. And it was so beautiful and I was instantly hooked in what this film was ultimately prepared and delivered mm. visually throughout. Yeah, there's this great tracking shot somewhere in the middle of the film where Madison is running through her house and it's shot from overhead as she runs upstairs and downstairs and oh, so clever. I enjoyed that so much. So clever. Yeah, they used technology like spider cam, I think it's called, which you usually mm. see in sports broadcasts like, yeah. the, like the football and the, and the soccer and stuff. So it was really 
really cool to see it used in this context. And I was um, in awe of that. I love when filmmakers do really unique things with the camera yeah, and show you a whole new perspective. And it added to the tension. It added to yeah. the terror, didn't it? Yeah. And James Wan is so good at the little things too, the primal things that set off alarm bells as a viewer, like a couch cushion slowly replumping itself oh. after something had obviously been sitting there or just a flash of a deformed face or something like that. Just little things, but it works so well to build that tension. Oh, God, I'm having like flashbacks of feeling really <laughs> unsettled by all those things. You know, I don't know about you, Lee, but um, home invasion is something that absolutely terrifies me as, mm. as a person. You know, I couldn't think of anything worse happening to me. Mm. And the home invasion scene in this film was just utterly terrifying and yeah. goodness gracious. How the camera moves in the space, how it's spinning those overhead shots that we've talked about, they really are world-class and there is no doubt that Juan knows how and where to point that damn camera to create tension yeah. and suspense. Absolutely. Can I ask you about the character design? I'd love to know your thoughts. I found it really bizarre and creepy. I think it was very effective. Without giving too much away, mm -hmm. there's just something about a bad guy who can run backwards. Oh. That's scary as all hell. <laughs> I can see your face. You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, it made me feel, if I was to pull a couple of words out, like uncomfortable, unsettled. Yeah. I wanted to look away because it was just so unnatural. Mm -hmm. But I thought, how good is that? That it's making me want to do that, to make yeah. me want to look away and to feel really fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it was so – it messed with your head, right? Yeah. When people walk backwards and when arms are meant to be going forward but they're going back but they're still kind of working yeah. in a normal way. I'm like, Jesus, it, I, my head, I can't comprehend it. And this movie really twisted those sorts of norms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the third act twist, which we've alluded to, is – Really fantastic, I think. I loved it. But I found the CGI in the climax was undercooked. It was so beautiful throughout most of the film and I loved it until the third act. And then there was this like face mask situation that didn't quite work for me. How did you feel about the special effects in the in the third act? I, I agree with you through and through. I think how Juan had introduced CGI probably more than he ever has done in this genre. Of course, he's done Aquaman, mm. which is CGI galore but in the context of horror he used it very very effectively i was really pulled in by it but I, I agree it kind of went a little too far which brings me back to my earlier point that it just got so far-fetched and ultimately comical i think that was an element of why or maybe conversely maybe i'm getting it wrong maybe it wasn't enough cgi maybe that was an mm. in-camera effect that just wasn't being pulled off as well as it could have are you saying you're going to go back and revisit this yeah. terrifying moment just to report back <laughs> <laughs> no. Speaking of terrifying moments, let's talk about the performances. Mm. <laughs> How's that for a segue? Yeah, that's perfect. Madison Mitchell played by Annabelle Wallace. It really was a one-woman show, wasn't it? Yeah, she's really carrying the film. I'm glad yeah. we agree on that. Yeah, yeah. Because you've already mentioned that you know, the other characters were just bit characters. There was no real substance mm. to them. Nothing particularly interesting, nothing as a result of that, yeah. really explored because there there was nothing to explore. A really weird flirtation between her sister and the police officer. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm glad you pointed that. That was uncomfortable and I don't know why it was necessary. And also all of a sudden she's calling him Kay. It's like, when did you guys become besties? <laughs> Do you call any of your friends by the letter of their first name? <laughs> no. I mean, his name, his full name is Kokoa. 
Yeah. But she was calling him K and I thought, you've just met this dude. Yeah, and we've just met her and him and you didn't quite yeah. vibe with that sort of vibe that they were going off. Yeah, I think the actors unfortunately are let down by a weak script and underdeveloped characters. Yeah. Back to Annabelle, just mm. on the physicality of her performance, I think that oh, would yeah. have been incredibly challenging. And as I already mentioned, it really messed with my head. And I can only imagine what it was like to act that out and then also mm. for one to direct it because you have to have a whole crew and team to understand mm. how to bring it together and for it to make sense. And the act, it's, it, it's with the actors and how you shoot mm. it and ultimately making it believable. So, yeah, hats off to an incredible physical performance as well as an emotional one. Are we ready to wrap up Malignant, Tim? Yeah, let's give it a go, Lee. I really enjoyed this twisted tale from the minds of Ingrid Bissu and James Wan. Was it perfect? No. But it's a ride worth going on thanks to the trademark visual flourishes and special touches from the talented Wan. This is one for hardcore horror fans who love the classics. It takes the director back to his horror roots, the movies that really put him on the map, And I love the creativity and originality behind it and the bonkers third act twist. I'm giving Malignant three and a half popcorn kernels out of five. Wow, you really went you really went for it, Lee. I did. So this film was so fucking cooked. Cooked is a great word for it. A genre bender, no doubt, but it blended into a bit of a hot mess for me, especially in the third act, which we seem to be on different sides of the fence here, Lee. Juan is a master filmmaker. Compelling, smart challenging but I just didn't feel many of those with this one the film had a really solid premise with legs but they were chopped off at the knees ultimately malignant delivered in style over substance so I'm going to rate it two and a half popcorn kernels style over substance that's interesting hmm. Hmm. well malignant is in Australian cinemas now so go and check it out for yourself and let us know what you think Yes, please do. All right, we're on to news, Tim, and it's your last chance to enter both our horror double DVD and Snake Eyes DVD giveaways. Make sure you check out popcornpodcast.com and get your entries in on our social channels ASAP because both giveaways close midday on Monday, October 25. Now, we're leading our news section with quite a substantial tragedy that Mm. happened within the film industry uh, this week, a terrible tragedy occurred on the set of Alec Baldwin's new film, Rust, where a prop firearm was discharged by the actor, critically injuring the director of photography, Helena Hutchins, and injuring director Joel Souser. An investigation is underway to understand how this might have happened. Goodness. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible accident, and all the people involved just must be devastated. Yeah, absolutely reeling. I mean, even Alec Baldwin, I, I definitely feel for him. I mean, obviously, Helena Hutchins' family, my heart goes out to them, um, but also Alec Baldwin because to be the person that did it mm. is just awful. You can only imagine, can't you? Rust is a Western that follows outlaw Harland Rust. When his estranged grandson is convicted of an accidental murder and sentenced to hang, Rust travels to Kansas to break him out of prison with the two fugitives trying to outrun a U.S. marshal and a bounty hunter. So no word on when we'll see that movie. Obviously, it's going to be delayed quite a bit. Yeah, I would imagine too. Well, Lee, Rob Zombie, he revealed his monsters this week Mm. to celebrate Halloween. Director Zombie shared a first look pick from the set in Hungary of the iconic 1313 Mockingbird Lane mansion, as well as Jeff Daniel Phillips, 
Sherry Moon Zombie, and Daniel Roebuck, who play Herman, Lily, and Grandpa, respectedly. What do you reckon? They certainly look the part, don't they? They do. It is uncanny. It made me go and check out what the mm. monsters from, what, the 60s look like. And I'm thinking, holy heck, are these descendants of these actors? It looks awesome. Yeah. I wondered if it was a bit of nepotism, though, putting his wife in the film. I mean, he's not the first director to have done that, but I haven't seen much of her work, so I'm not sure how that's going to go. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with Zombie's work either, but I do believe he casts her a lot in his films. Mm. But, like, she's one of the leads, so that's an interesting choice. Mm. So, But I'm keen to see how this comes together. She looks fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Marvel Studios has given their upcoming release slate a bit of a shuffle. This is always big news because they need to be in a certain order, which they're still mm. in the same order, I think, but just pushed back a bit. Yeah. We'll now get Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in May 2022. Thor Love and Thunder has moved to July 2022. Black Panther Wakanda Forever has moved to November 2022 and the Marvels, it will be February 2023 and Ant-Man Quantumania July 2023. Bit of a mouthful there, Lee. Nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) Those Marvel titles, eh? Oh, I mean, just having to wait a little longer for this sweet, sweet MCU goodness is just, (laughs) it just sucks. But look, there's so many of them. So we're we're, we're sport for choice. There's so much to sink our teeth into. We just got to wait a couple more months, but... um, There we go. Now, Indiana Jones 5 has suffered a similar fate to the Marvel release pipeline, with it now pushed back almost a whole year to June 2023. Mm. Now, Harrison Ford Lee, Mm. when this film is released, will be the ripe old age of 81. (laughs) Indiana Jones is going to be 81 when we finally see this film. I had no idea he was that old. No disrespect to the man. No, he can still bring it. He absolutely can still bring it. But he was recently injured on the set of Indy 5, so I wonder if that delay to the schedule plays mm. part in delays in the production. But, yeah, this is another kick in the teeth for me. I can't wait for this and I have to wait a whole another bloody year. After wrapping on the upcoming next Expendables instalment, Sylvester Stallone has announced he's leaving the franchise that he helped build 12 years ago and he's leaving it in the capable hands of his co-star, Jason Statham. This is devastating. It is devastating. We need Sly Stallone always in this franchise. I mean, but Jason Statham's a good person to leave it in control, isn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a good choice. Now, Tim, you'll love this piece of news. Yeah, can I take this, please? Mm -hmm. So we got our first look at Nicole Kidman, my wife, as Lucille Ball (laughs) and Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz in the teaser for Being the Ricardos, which follows Lucy and Desi as they face a crisis that could end their careers and another that could end their marriage. This film is written and directed by the great Aaron Sorkin and the film also stars J.K. Simmons, Jake Lacey, Tony Hale and Alia Shawkat. And we can see this film on Prime Video on December 21, so it's not far away. What do you think of Nicole Kidman's performance as Lucille Ball, Tim? Well, you heard her voice and you only got a very mm. quick flash of her physically as embodying mm. Lucille Ball, so it's hard to really have much of an opinion. What about you? I felt the voice. I heard flashes of the voice. I didn't think it was particularly even. I mean, this is such Mm. an iconic character with such an iconic physicality. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a really hard one to pull off. Nicole Kidman, great actress. I love her, but I'm not convinced. I am also not convinced right now, but I'm (gasps) sure we'll be proven wrong. That's okay. You have have betrayed your wife. (laughs) Maybe not go that far, but look, I certainly 
got the Aaron Sorkin vibes from this teaser, mm. like quick, witty, sharp, just perfect. He's such yeah. a great filmmaker. I'm looking forward to it. Now, we also got the first explosive trailer for Michael Bay's Ambulance, which stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as two robbers who steal an ambulance after their heist goes wrong. The film also stars Aiza Gonzalez. And this is obviously a remake of another film called Ambulance. God, this has Michael Bay written all <laughs> over it. The, the, the sepia tones, how the camera moves. There's some incredible cinematography that we were yep. introduced to in this trailer. Fuck. There's going to be some explosions too. You know it. Just a few. Just I could probably few. count them over maybe 70 hands. How many explosions <laughs> there'll be? No less. Well, you remember that um, behind the scenes shot that we shared on our socials or yeah. Michael Bay shared from his socials of um, this car like careening towards the camera stunt that looked like it was about to go wrong. Oh, it did. Oh, gosh. Edgy seat stuff. This film is just going to be full of those moments. Yeah. I'm pretty confident in that, having seen the trailer <laughs> now. now. Speaking of trailers, we also got one for the highly anticipated Uncharted movie, which uh, dropped this week starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. The story is a prequel to the popular PlayStation video game series with Holland as a younger Nathan Drake, showing us details of how he came to meet and befriend Sully, played by Wahlberg. And the film also stars Tati Gabrielle and Antonio Banderas. He has such a fun name to say, doesn't he? Antonio oh, Banderas. The best name ever. Now, I've got no relationship with this Sony PlayStation series, no. but apparently it's so anticipated, this film. It's been mm. in development hell for many, many years. Lots of actors, directors have come and gone. So mm. the fact that the trailer's finally here has got a lot of fanboys and girls really, yeah. really excited. And it looks like a lot of fun. It does. It does. Can't wait to see it. Now, Lee, Ryan Gosling is in final negotiations to play Ken opposite Margot Robbie's Barbie in Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie. Gosh, what a trio that mm -hmm. is. Uh, it's expected the film, based on the iconic Mattel dolls, will be greenlit very soon and start shooting next year. Ryan Gosling. Yes, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> it seems very fitting that Ryan Gosling would play Ken. He's just such <laughs> really a good-looking man. What's that film that he was in with Emma Stone? La La Land? He's been in a lot of movies with oh, Emma Stone. Oh, yeah, that was a dumb question. They have been in a few together. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, that's the one. Crazy yeah. Stupid Love. His rig far out. <laughs> so hopefully he brings that back into the world of cinema canon as Ken. With those uh, canvas shorts and uh, the open Hawaiian shirt that Ken loves to wear so much. He's going to have to bleach his hair up a little bit, I think, and give him a bit more of a tan. Oh, he'll pull it off. Yeah, a bit of a tan, a <laughs> bit of a bleach job. Yeah. He's ready to play Ken. All right, guys, that's it for another episode of Popcorn Podcast. We covered Malignant, which is in Australian cinemas now. Go check it out, guys. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Come and join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.